I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is the Ohio State Bucknuts podcast where uh, we try and have some fun and talk some Buckeye football. If you want to crack a cold one on this Sunday afternoon and join along with us, feel free. I've got a Great Lakes Christmas sale that I've been really enjoying all weekend. I had a case of them dropped off by a friend of mine. So uh, it's a good way to uh, start this Sunday where we have some good news for the Buckeyes. Ohio State is back in the college football playoff. And we're just over a week removed from when Ohio State lost to Michigan. It seemed you know, pretty much like the end of the world for, for Buckeye Nation. And, and crazy things happen. You got the losses you needed, Buckeye fans. And Ohio State will face number one Georgia. Ohio State's the number four seed in the Peach, uh, the Peach Bowl 
on December 31st. It's going to be an 8 p.m. kick. There's a lot to talk about about this game, about how this all happened this past weekend. We're going to do it. We'll have some some various people jumping in with me throughout the show, and, and that'll start with our friend and regular guest for the happy hour, Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan and The Buckeye Show. Tim, the Buckeyes are in the playoff. It's uh, it's a good day to be a Buckeye fan, even if it was uh, a cloudy and disappointing day just over a week ago. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, Pat? Happy Sunday, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm cheers. I'm finally here at home. As we're, I know. As we're, I know. As we're doing uh, one of these, I've got myself a a land grant smutter. It's like a campfire brew. It's a s'more brown ale, chocolate, right. toasty, marshmallow, vanilla, graham crackers. I mean. It's almost 7% alcohol. What's not to like about this? I haven't gotten into the winter ales yet, but that's soon. Next time I hit up the store, maybe I'll get some of the Great Lakes Christmas ale. That's a phenomenal beer. Absolutely. Everybody loves that. But Patrick, how about this, man? I mean, we all agreed. We all knew the only thing we really needed to see was USC lose to Utah. And when USC did lose to Utah, and especially in that way, Buckeyes were pretty much emphatically back in, and then you just got to chill out and watch the rest of Saturday happen. And it kind of went the way I thought. I did not, I was one of those guys that didn't think TCU was just automatically going to slip, especially if they played a great football game. The Alabama noise over the last 12 hours was pretty much embarrassing. I mean, it really, it just seemed like begging and pleading. Two losses, not even winning your division. Just shut up, Nick. You know, just just take it and shut up. I mean, Ohio State started the season 11 and 0. All right, there. That's it. They started yeah. the season 11 and 0. They lost the very last game to a top 3 team. That was the tipping point. That was the difference. They deserved to get in the way that everything else fell, despite how some fans might feel a little bit nervous or disappointed with the way they played in their last game with the rest of the landscape. Everybody that got in, in the order, I think, deserved what happened. And now I kind of like it, the fact that Ohio State and Michigan both have to earn their way to maybe the most ultimate college football game of all time. Like I can't even I can't even think it right now, like what that would be like, what that would feel like, the, the buildup and what's going on bids. But to to think about a Michigan-Ohio State national championship game having lost the, in the your second most recent football game unbelievable but we're almost there well and and you just alluded to it there timmy for those that aren't watching this live dave biddle my co-worker both tim and i's good friend has joined us as well dave just give me tim kind of hit on his his quick reaction there but your quick reaction to the buckeyes being back in the playoff after it wasn't really a crazy weekend i guess there was really one loss as tim touched on that really mattered but what needed to happen happened and ohio state's the number four seed yeah, after the Michigan game, I thought that they were out and should be yeah. out. You know, but, you know, I think as humans, we're allowed to change our mind when more information becomes available. And then, like, when you broke it down going into this weekend, including Friday, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I know what I said. But if USC loses, Ohio State has the best resume of the contenders for the four seed. And and they got in as they should. And I agree with you. Like, it would have been nice to have a Michigan-Ohio State rematch, like, in the semifinals. But, like, I completely agree with play ball Timmy Hall. Like, this is, like, listen, Michigan, like, deserves to be, like, the number two seed. They deserve to, to be – I mean, TCU 
on a neutral field, Ohio State would be favored by, I think they said, what, like nine over TCU? Michigan's favored by nine and a half, something like that. So Michigan deserves that. And Ohio State deserves to have to go play the national defending national champions in their own state. But as Ryan Day just said, now they have a new lease on life. He's used that two days in a row. And listen, as you guys both know, and everybody listening to the show knows, Ohio State's very dangerous as an underdog. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, they're very dangerous. Keep in mind, all three games of the 2014 postseason, Ohio State was an underdog, including the 59-0 win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. They were a touchdown underdog against Alabama, as everybody remembers. People might forget Ohio State was also a touchdown underdog against Oregon. So they're very, very dangerous. Urban Meyer was undefeated at, at Ohio State as an underdog. Okay, Ryan Day's lost one game as an underdog at, at Ohio State. So, listen, Georgia is a fantastic team. This is tough sledding for Ohio State. But, listen, when you give a sports team a second life, that's all you could ask for for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and for people uh, who are tuning in and, and listening to this, Utah beats USC coming from 14 points down, wins 47-24 in the Pac-12 championship game. That, as Dave said, probably was enough to get the Buckeyes in. I made some people angry on Twitter by saying that, uh, look, there's still a shot for Alabama. And I think you know, I was on all of those committee calls this year. They really liked Alabama, but they also really liked Ohio State. So I was just not ready to say for sure the Buckeyes were in. But then things happen uh, on Saturday. Michigan wins, Georgia wins. But TCU falls in the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State, 31-28 in overtime. Look, I thought that the only way that Alabama gets any more of a resume boost is if LSU were to play Georgia really tight because that was a narrow loss for Alabama or to beat Georgia. That clearly didn't happen. Georgia ran away with that game pretty convincingly. So now we have it, the top four, Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, Ohio State four. I think if if I'm reading both of you right, this is the way you would have done it if you guys were the the committee in a whole. Tim, is that right? Is that how you yep. would have laid the rankings out? Yeah, exactly how. I mean, I think for everything that Biddle just hit on and kind of what I said in the opening there, this was this was the way it was going to go. And I saw somebody somebody just tweeted at me before I came on here and said, "How could you, you know, show me when like someone, you know, lost a game?" and didn't slip out of the top five. You know, how can that happen? Well, this is how that can happen. I mean, last you year, had uh, – Every case is different. Yeah, last year. But, but look at this case. You had TCU was 12-0, undefeated, all right? And they made it to their championship game. And Kansas State was entered the week as the number 10 team in the country, you know? Yeah. So they will move up. They'll be – what what were they? I, I didn't even I forget where was K State when they, they had to be 10, 10. Oh, they they stayed, no, he means he means the updated. Oh. They moved they moved up to eighth, right? Eight, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. so okay. they moved up. So Penn the number seven, eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. And either way, that's how the reason how they didn't slip out or they didn't even move down is because four lost, four got hammered, and. Five and six didn't even make the game. That, that's exactly how. It's it's simple. It's easy to see why that happened. It's because of the rest of the landscape. That's what's fun about this. That's what is exciting when you get down to the last week. And it doesn't just matter what you do. You have to take a look at 
all the other college football teams that are either playing or not playing and keep judging them accordingly week by week. And we get to this situation and one, two, three, four, exactly the way it should have been in my estimation. So now let's go play ball. Real quick, I know this is your show, Patrick. I'm sorry to like uh, no, go, throw go questions to you guys, but I want to ask both of you. Do you like that they're going to 12 teams or is this not awesome with four? And by the way, we say four, but like it's basically the quarterfinals happened like over the last couple of weeks anyway. I love it the way it is. Here, I'm going to look back right. on it and say this was the right way to do it. You're going to have teams like nine through 12 that make it. I'd be okay with eight. I'd be okay with eight. Nine through 12, that's too many teams, in my opinion. They're doing it all for money. Do you guys like it this way, or are you happy they're going to 12? Biddle, I I know your stance on things. I know I know your outlook on life, and I know you've been here uh, an anti-expander. The, the eight would be a happy medium. Oh, I would have been – if I would have been a pro-expansion guy, you would have been anti. We could, I would have been one of the guys in the room happy to meet in the middle, not, not to say, no, it's got to be my way or no way at all. I could hear the eight. But – the thing of it is, as we look at this case, the top the top three teams were going to be in probably at the top three, even w- with losses in their championship games. So you couldn't make a case there where there wasn't that much excite- excitement with those top three. It hits us, of course, because we were out and then trying to circle our way back in. So it feels like bigger excitement because it's in our backyard. Who was the first team out? I can't remember. Who was the first team out? Alabama. Yeah, great. You guys it's like great. that? I like but, it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What I what I like though is as a football fan, and you know, I, I started. You know, I've lived in some different markets, and you know, I I actually lived in Utah for a couple of years, and I was out there when Urban Meyer was the coach, hmm. and saw a couple of games at Rice Eccles Stadium when he was the coach. It's a fantastic environment, and it's great to see what's happened to Utah football in the last 15, 20 years. Because I think a lot of people would have looked at them and said, yeah. I see you, but I just don't believe in you. Like you're, you're going to get your shot. And I, I vividly remember that game where they went on the road on the road, I say, but to Bama's territory and Alabama did the whole thing that do, they, they do whine and say, yeah, you know, we just weren't that into it, you know, and they got their asses kicked by Utah on their own. It, it was either the, it was the sugar bowl or it, it had to have been the sugar bowl. That's what it was. Brian Johnson was Utah's quarterback. They went in there and smacked them. And I kept thinking, yeah, like this is a program that just knows what they're doing. I could see them continue to elevate. And then people still question them when they went to the Pac-12 that they weren't going to be able to compete week in and week out. I just think bids teams like Utah and Kansas State who are ranked in the top 10 in the country. I don't care that they have three losses. It can happen in football. Like it's hard to go undefeated. You could still be a great team that could beat anybody on your best day with two or three losses. I, I know what you're saying. That means Bama gets in every year. Basically, so be it. We get in every year. So be it. I just think teams like Utah and K-State should be in any sports championship field. That's just the way I feel about it. Patrick. Yeah, I am not a fan of the expansion. Look, I grew up watching European soccer where they have no playoffs. And I mean, I grew up watching American sports as well, but no playoffs and every team plays each other and the, you, you have a champion at the end of the year. And you can't do that in college football, obviously, but I've always thought that college football is as close to that in American sports. You know, yeah, NBA, NHL, MLB, you've got playoff series where you usually get the best team coming out of it. But I look back over the years, even the BCS era, 
almost always I thought that the top teams were playing for it. And um, Ari Wasserman, who used to cover Ohio State with us, Dave, you like to argue with him about stars on Twitter, uh, wrote, I thought, a really good piece for The Athletic where he broke down basically, look, why are you rewarding more teams, letting more teams into the field instead of just asking them to get better? You know, and, and I understand it's hard to recruit with Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, but why, why just reward a team, let them into the playoff when you, when you don't necessarily deserve it? You know, how many, where is the line? I know we're putting it at 12, but like every year it's kind of different of where the top teams are. Um, and I think everybody kind of can figure it out by the year's end and we're not going to change the playoff format every year based on the season but look the end of this year would have been very different in a 12 team playoff now teams like uh you know in Iowa maybe or you know something along those lines maybe they it changes from from that perspective because you're fighting to get in and so those games become um certainly more meaningful at the end of the year and and the conference championship game for Purdue would have been that much more meaningful because they could have gotten in as as a conference championship champion if they beat Michigan but I just I think when you were talking about getting the best teams playing for it at the end of the year, I think college football has done a good job of that. I think that'll change with with a different playoff form. But uh, let let me look at let us look. Um, and I know you both have stuff going on, so if you need to jump out of here, feel free to to just pop out and say your goodbyes. But I just want to ask your initial impressions, and I'm going to go into this more later. But your initial impressions of Georgia and what uh, the Buckeyes are about to face here. Obviously, the defending national champions, it's going to be uh, as tough of a matchup, I think, as Ohio State could have gotten. But as you said, Dave, Ryan, they said it on, on ESPN, this is an opportunity for the Buckeyes to show themselves. And I think you want to go through the best, right? What, what do you make, Dave? I'll start with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, like Georgia's better than I thought they'd be this year, for sure. They lost a ton to the NFL, as we all know. A ton. And for anybody's standards and defending national champions, you always wonder, are they going to be hungry? I give them a lot of credit. I thought Kirby smart was extremely classy on the show tonight with his comments. And it seemed genuine. It didn't seem like he was just BSing Stetson Bennett guys. A couple years ago was like a walk on quarterback managing the game. He's turned into like a really good quarterback. Like, and I never saw that coming. Um, their defense is better than what I thought it'd be after losing like tons of players off that defense. I still don't think they're as good as they were last year, okay? And I think they're going to take Ohio State a little bit lightly. They're thinking we're playing at home. This, this would be like, let's say Cleveland Brown Stadium had a dome on it, okay? This would be like Ohio State playing at Cleveland Brown Stadium or in Cincinnati if they put a dome on the former Paul Brown Stadium. You know, th this, is, th this is what this is like. They're going to come in here overconfident. And like I told you guys, and because like, everybody knows, Ohio State, just look at it. It's crazy. They're extremely dangerous when they're an underdog. It doesn't happen very often. Now they're hungry, but this Georgia team is beyond legit. They were fantastic last year. I don't think they're quite as good, but they're better than I thought they'd be. They're clearly the best team in the nation right now, but I like Ohio State's chances. If I had to bet my life, do I think Georgia would win? I guess, first of all, I wouldn't want to bet my life, but I don't do, do think Georgia, if I had to, will win, but I'm telling you, like, I give Ohio State, like, at least a 40% chance to win this game. Feels like it's 60-40 Georgia. That gives you more than a puncher's chance in this game. Buckeyes have a decent chance to win this game. Timmy, what do you make of it? Yeah, Bids, uh, I'm kind of in agreement with, with you. I wouldn't change much of what you said about Georgia with, 
you know, they're them not being or they don't appear to be the same juggernaut that they were last year. And that's interesting because this Georgia team won the the SEC championship and last year's Georgia team didn't. But that's the way it goes. I mean, multiple teams can change in a year. I, I tell you what, though, like you look at that dude, Brock Browers, he's a concern. Like you look at their tight ends. They've Ohio State's got it working with the wide receiver room. Georgia has figured it out with their tight end rooms. I said this before. I'd rather have a great wide receiver room than a great tight end room because typically you've got more of those on the football field at the same time. I mean, I know you can throw some, you know, three tight end formations out there if you must, but you can be a little bit more versatile when you have ultimate wide receivers on three different levels of the football field. And who the heck knows? Like, we don't know if Jackson Smith and Jigba, this is going to be something that we continue to talk about for the next month. If anything could happen right there in bids, I know you don't think so. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Georgia is a better football team right now with what they have proven, with what they have done. They smacked Oregon at the beginning of the season. And you know, look, you know, we can play the Big Ten versus SEC and the favoritism and do that whole song and dance, but they won the national championship last year. Sure, they struggled against Kent State. Some people don't think that they were criticized enough for it, but we know we the Buckeyes have had games where they struggled against, and that's going to happen as you're trying to get your way to an undefeated season. Ohio State wasn't even able to do that. Georgia did. It's in their neck of the woods. They're part of the country. They are a physical, tough team to move the football on. And when they do have some of these big, powerful pass catchers, namely the, you know, the tight end and the guy I mentioned, I wonder about Ohio State's secondary. And is there, are there things in the back end that can be fixed by just simply saying, all right, we got our second chance. Now we're going to go and take advantage and win the national championship. That's easier said than done. I almost think that Jim Knowles has to be ready to to shift immediately schematically if he gives up a big play. The, the second, if they give up a 50-yard touchdown play in this Georgia game, I want them to switch what they're doing almost immediately and try to go with something else that's going to be a, a safer while still being as menacing as they can be. Uh, defensively at least and uh, we'll see I just it, it's big on so many levels we talk about CJ Stroud's legacy and what's on the line with this one even Ryan Day you know for getting a second chance now you you like you have to you got to follow through now that you got this second chance and if you don't what are we saying after that it's just it's dicey because yeah you're going into a lion's den you're tasked with beating the number one team in the nation but bids, like you said, it's got the 2014 feel all over it. It certainly does. It's, I just saw this on social media, at least according to DraftKings. Uh, Georgia is a six and a half point favorite over Ohio State to open. We'll see okay. what. That feels about other, right. Yeah, I, I think that makes. Favored by eight in 2014 on New Year's Eve, by the way, in the yeah. South. Listen, yeah. listen, New Orleans is obviously not located in Alabama. But it wasn't that far away. And they listen, Ohio State fans showed up, but like there were still more Alabama fans than Ohio State, you know, yeah. as our friends at the give, give 11 Warriors a shout out for one of the best shirts ever, like 85 yards through the heart of the South. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Just because that happened eight years ago doesn't mean it's going to happen again. But man, this feels similar. The only difference is how crazy is it? Ohio State loses by 22 to Michigan at the horseshoe, and they're in the playoff. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what you, Let me what ask you, you guys. Well, fourteen playoff. <laughs> well, you know th- this. Uh, they still deserve to get in. I they mean, I, I have to say, I can't say that I'm not embarrassed about the result in the last game because I am. But and now we're over it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm over it, but they deserve to get in with yeah. with the way that everything else happened. I mean, the right. the bids, the Bama pandering was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Nick Saban looked like I said it's put on Twitter. He looked like a used car salesman out there, not like good used cars. Like he was like selling Yugos. He was out there selling like Ford Pintos from the seventies out there last night. Even had the, the blazer to match. We're talking about a guy who is like a multimillionaire, the goat, the best coach in college football history. He out there, he was looking like the like the worst used car salesman you've ever seen, which is a low bar. Like. It was embarrassing. You got the goat out there begging to get in when he had no chance. It was actually funny. I'm <laughs> glad he did. I'm not even mad. It's like, you know, eat the whole wheel of cheese. I'm not even mad. I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm impressed. Let me ask you guys this. Would it be okay for Ohio State to win a national championship? And I know we're looking ahead here. But say that TCU upsets Michigan. You play TCU. You don't get the rematch. <laughs> So you win a national championship and, you know, looking way ahead here, but you win a national championship in a year when you lose to Michigan. How, how would that sit? I mean, it's a great, it's okay. Yeah. Because this is, it's just new era. Like, obviously this never would have happened before. Like, especially if there was two teams or in the, even before they went to the BCS, like Mm -hmm. this never would have happened. This is a new era. Like, I would have no problem with it. Ask Georgia fans how they feel about losing to Alabama last year but still winning the national championship. Ask Alabama fans how they felt the year where they lost to LSU in the regular season and then beat LSU for the national championship. They don't they didn't give a shit about the regular season game. They cared about the fact that when they put that banner up that it's going to be there forever. So if Ohio State wins the national championship over TCU, all that we'll remember is national championship 2022 it'll be right there next to the one that says national champions 2014 so yeah it's a different era it'll completely wipe that michigan loss off the board but they have to win it all and has a big if yeah 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 you gotta get past georgia the only thing the only thing that i would change there is i don't know if it wipes the michigan loss off the board i think when we sit around with our buddies and we argue the best ohio state football teams of all time we won't be able to put this one there because there have been other national championship winning teams that also beat, if not dismantled, Michigan. So there's that. You let's not be stupid. Team didn't lose to a six and six Virginia Tech team, though. I mean, but let's not be stupid. You'd rather win the national championship and miss Michigan as opposed to not win the national championship. So yeah, I mean, that's off the top. Like all this. All this nonsense about how oh you you don't even want to get in uh, with losing to Michigan you should just you know quiver and go under a rock and not even go that is that's BS I mean you would rather play and win a national championship despite who you lost to in the regular season as opposed to not do it like Bid said you're not going to put you're not going to stitch on the banner when you hang it up by the way we lost to Michigan. In asterisk. 2022. Yeah. Right. We're going to put an asterisk on our own national championship banner. No, people will look that up. People will have the memory about that. They'll know the story, but a national championship, it would be a national championship, one fair and square. A, com- a committee of people that looks at things, looks at 
computer data and uses their own minds to put the best and most deserving teams in the field. They sort this out. Ohio State was one of them. We have to, we're the last one in. So you got to sort of earn it from here on out. I think it would be better if you could play your rival. I mean, just, I guess the better, I guess the question is, the question is, do you want to see Michigan in the national championship game? I don't know if I I want that. I do. If you know, if you can, if you beat them, then that will be better. But with the unknown, I'm not sure if I want that. But if you beat them it. in the national championship, that would be the best way to have this whole thing. I want bring it, bring it to me. Bring All it. I want for Christmas is Ohio State to beat Georgia and then get a chance to play Michigan. Give me that chance. I guess that's just be all, all I want for New Year's, right? You're, just, you're the king of confidence, Bids. You're so confident. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if I Davies, had a beard like um, that and the right, soft type of look, and I, I'd but then I picked against my Bengals today in the in the rematch of the AFC. That's called reverse psychology, though. See, the best <laughs> there's a lot of psychologies. You have behavioral psychology, a lot of psych reverse psychology, in my opinion, as a PhD, is the best of the psychologies. Doctor Biddle, that's right. I Dr. I don't Dr. usually Biddle. use that, but thank you, Patrick. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, it's good uh, being with you guys. I'm gonna go watch Deshaun Watson against uh, his former team right now. All right, Dave. Thanks guys. so much. Yeah, so far. Thank you, having, thank you for having me on, Patrick. Uh, thank you to all the uh, listeners. Great seeing my friend Timmy Hall, who lives down the street from me, basically. Thanks, Patrick. You're doing great. You thanks. This you is did. a Bucknuts happy hour. It's a happy hour. Let's go. We're going to Let's Atlanta. Go. Let's go. See you in Atlanta. See Come you, on. Dave. All right, Timmy, how much time you got? Sure wish I got to travel to some of these football games. Look, just we'll lock just put, me in the studio. We'll just put you in the suitcase. Hey, last uh, I think the last time they were in the playoff, uh, Rothman and, and Matty Ice got to go. Why why can't you talk your way into that? I'm not Rothman or Matty Ice. That's why. You do the Buckeye show. You those are guys are those guys are stars, they're celebs. What it's why don't you have them on the podcast? Why do you have me? Because you're my star. You're my you're my celebrity. <laughs> you're, you're my light, my shining star. Plus, I know when you're not at work, you'll have a beer while we talk Buckeyes. And I can't say that about Anthony for sure. Probably hey, Maddie. But... Hey, hey, guess what? The commanders are up 10 to nothing. Look right at you and, and your team. But um, yeah, one last thing I want to hit on. And we, we were talking about it there um, with the Michigan stuff. You, you, you were kind of alluding to the fact that you're not so you're not so big on the rematch. Is that what I'm getting? That's not what you're getting. Um, okay. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of with these things. And if it happens, it happens. I'm not necessarily where bids frame of mind is, or I'm wishing for it, where I've got to see it. It of course is going to be crazy if that's the scenario. And if that's the outcome we get both teams having to earn their way into this rematch, it will be, it will be one of the most ultimate things that, that college football could give you. You say, well, why don't you want that? Because I'm, I'm a little freaked out about it. I'm a little nervous about it. The, yeah, you have the opportunity for redemption, but like, how could you not also process the opportunity for a double barrel loss and having the ultimate loss in that situation? Then I really, then, uh, then I'm wondering about so many things about what the off season, uh, what the off season is going to bring about. What are the, what's the fan base quickly going to say about Ryan Day if they get that game? They have they play great against Georgia, 
and then they lose to the rival for the second time in three games. What are they going to be saying about him? You think they're just going to be like, oh, great fight, you know, great pushback. No, it, it wouldn't won't even matter if they play well and lose in an epic game. It won't be acceptable. So that that's the thing. Like it's it would it would be a better season, <laughs> clearly, if you got to play them and beat them for the national championship as opposed to beating uh, TCU in the national championship. We can agree to that. I don't know. Patrick, where where are you on it? You, you confident? that is that what you want? Because you know the Buckeyes are going to win, or are there the nerves? I certainly don't know that the Buckeyes would win. Look, I think it's hard in college football to beat a team twice, but we did just see Utah do it to USC, and in very similar fashion to the way the first game went. Um, I think the important thing to remember, and this is the argument why Ohio State's in this game, um, even with the 22-point losses, that game was a four-point game in the fourth quarter, and Ohio State certainly let things get away, and that is on the Buckeyes for sure. But I think that this game is going to be remembered as this blowout, and fine, we think of you know several Ohio State wins against Michigan over the past 10 years as, as these great wins when some of them were a lot closer than I think people remember. But I think you, you would feel okay if you're Ohio State with another shot at Michigan because you were in control that first half, because – you, you figured out ways to stay in the game even when things weren't going well. I think if you're healthier, which I think is huge, and something I'm going to talk about once you jump off, that the health of this team may be in you know, a little under a month, that could be some difference. So I don't think you're scared of Michigan if you're Ohio State. I completely understand Buckeye fans, and I was talking with a few of them last night when, when I was out with some friends, being absolutely terrified of their nerves for that game and just how – nerve-wracking it would be to not only see Michigan again, but to see Michigan literally on the biggest stage in college football. And, uh, you know, I, I I think some people would would really lose their minds during that game, given how I know Buckeye fans handle just a regular Michigan game. And so you add in the, the national championship. But I think you feel more confident if you just beat Georgia to get there, right? That's that's another feather in the hat that would look a lot better than you feel right now. Yeah. I mean, right. You're right. Like how, uh, if you advance past Georgia, there's going to have to be something there that says, Oh, okay. Got to win under our belt. The confidence should be there. I, I don't even know if there's a, if there's a scenario where you beat Georgia and feel bad about it, you know, yeah. they're the they're 13 and Oh, and they're the national champs. I will say this, and I, I'm going to run after this one, Pat, like the, other thing for you to chew on is where are you with with CJ and your confidence with CJ Stroud? I've heard yeah. a lot of a lot of talk and just with conversing with people and watching some of these other football games, watching some of these other QBs out there like Cam Rising for Utah, Max Duggan for for TCU, right? Some of these guys that are that are willing, you know, not just that they're able to, but they're willing to stick their head down and go and, and fight for tough yardage for their team. And I hear, I got to tell you, I do, I love C.J. Stroud. I, I think he's been, a, he's a phenomenal quarterback. I mean, he is an elite pocket passer. When he gets into his zone, he can rip the football down there, which is why I'd like to see the play calling, the play calling, you know, show a little bit more of that and really utilize Marvin and Emeka while we've got him here because that's the strength. That's his strength. But I, I hear people, I, I have started to, kind of on my own, you know, long for that Buckeye quarterback that that will run the football 
I'm not saying that he's a guy that's running for a thousand yards a year, like doing it the Braxton way or the JT way, where it's just run, run, run all the time, seemingly, and that overrides like what their passing abilities are. I'm not saying that. It's just the the want to and the desire for a guy to keep a drive going and keep a game going. You know, I get it. You don't want to see your guy get hurt too. There's a thing, but it's, it's like seeing Cam Risen get hit so hard that his soul left left out of his body, and he's back on the field one play later, even though that he didn't pick up the first down, but the uh, the penalty gave him the first down. Right. You just had to be like, oh my, oh my god, like this guy, guy looks like Dave Grohl. He's out there getting <laughs> hit to the moon. <laughs> it's just like, yes, yes, like give me, give me more of that, give me more of that style of play, please. Yeah, I think it's funny because it wasn't all that long ago, really before Dwayne Haskins, where Ohio State fans wanted these more accurate quarterbacks, these guys that could really throw the ball. I remember on our message boards, people using all sorts of comparisons. And they wanted less of the mobile quarterback. And now, obviously, you know, if if you can find a guy, you mentioned rising, you can find a Caleb Williams who can do both well. Great. You had that in Justin Fields, right? He was probably at what Ryan Day, if you could draw up a quarterback, that's your guy. But, you know, I said it on the Buckeye show when you weren't on on Friday when I was on with Hayden and uh, uh, Devere Posey. It's weird that there wasn't any running for CJ in the Michigan game because of what he'd done those three weeks prior when he'd had to run in some games. And we heard Ryan Day talk about, okay, against Penn State, he's petitioning me to to run more and things like that. And in the biggest game of the year, I just expected some quarterback runs for him to just take off a couple times when he had the opportunity That's because we'd seen it. It's unscripted is what yeah. you're is yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. Unscripted, not dialing up a read option where there's a, a chance in the play call for you to run or them straight up calling a run for you. It's when are you going to do it when the play opens itself and it's third and three and you maybe squeak out of the pocket left and the daylight is there and you should take it versus then, you know, pivoting and throwing back across your body, like 18 yards in the air to what might amount to a four yard gain. If it works, I've seen a lot of those in the last few games where he stands in the pocket and the O-line gives him good protection and he has all the time in the world. And then ultimately he'll throw a big, long pass to the sideline that the cornerback is just teeing up. Like, you know, he's giving five yards of space and trying to time it to where he's Mayan Williams caught a pass like that, remember? And Michigan's quarterback just blew him the hell up, like for a zero-yard gain. Mayan caught the ball, but it's like, what what is that? Like, that does nothing. It hangs your receiver out to dry. Tuck the ball, run. Give me four yards, you know? If it's first and 10 or something, take four yards. And then if if their pass defense is defending all of your routes out there in space, then take four or five yards and then go on to the next play. That, I think, is what we're talking about is when will you see the daylight and choose to take off and run with it? And it's funny the way, well, you're right. I, I was feeling the same things, hearing the same things when it was just run, run, run all the time from the OSU quarterback. Give me a guy that can pass the ball. God, you know, but <laughs> everything good back there. <laughs> yeah. I knocked over a box under this table. It's okay. All right. Um, yeah. Well, Yeah. It's exactly right. And the just to me, I thought CJ would do it in the Michigan game because he was doing it in those few games before. 
And I don't know what happened to go backwards on, on that. If he hadn't been doing it against Northwestern and against Indiana, I would have said, oh, there's no surprise here. But he was. And I don't know. There's a lot of things that I, I question about that game. And, and that's certainly one of them. But, uh, Timmy, you've been more than generous with your time. I'm finally or I'm glad you've been able to have a beer again, finally, on the happy hour. Maybe we'll do more of these Sunday episodes um, in, in the future. We're going to have to figure out, we're going to, we're going to have to include some hoops talk here soon. So we'll have to figure out how to, how to work that into the the weekly schedule once football's done. But uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. I love your insight. You're still my 97.1, the fan celeb. So uh, don't, don't let anyone tell you differently. Feel honored. Thank you, Pat. Have a good if one, you, buddy. If you need me to advocate for you to get to get to go to Atlanta, I will, you know, just tell me who to call. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure they'll listen to you. Yeah, probably not. Thanks, All right. Buddy. Thanks, Tim. All right, that was Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan, The Buckeye Show. Though he hasn't been on The Buckeye Show much lately. He's been doing some of the other shows on The Fan, so I haven't gotten to talk to Tim as much. Um, and we had Dave Biddle on a little bit earlier. You guys know Dave well. He will have much more about this on The Bucknuts Morning 5 on Monday morning. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Shortly after, Ohio State found out that they are going to the college football playoff first time in two years. Uh, they will face number one, Georgia. There's a few things I want to touch on that we didn't quite get to with, with Dave and Tim before we get out of here. Um, we're going to go talk with Ryan Day after this. At uh, That's at 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's it's about 1.40 as we're recording this right now, Eastern time. Ryan Day will be available. Uh, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee uh, chairman will also be available on a teleconference later. So, we're going to hear from from a lot of people about this decision, about the game, all that good stuff. But first, this will be only the second time Ohio State and Georgia have played each other. The last came at the end of the 1992 season, I believe. Georgia won that game 21-14 in Orlando. That was John Cooper's Buckeyes against Ray Goff's Bulldogs. So, chance for the Buckeyes to do something they've never done, which is beat Georgia. Um, and they'll get to do it in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta a place that they are not nearly as familiar with. You know, things worked out differently. It could have been, as I think many people expected throughout the year, Ohio State back out in Phoenix, which is a great place to to have a bowl game. Don't get me wrong. But we, as, as Ohio State media, Ohio State fans who make the trip, obviously the team, have been to Phoenix quite a bit over the years. Going to Atlanta, yeah, you're going into Georgia's backyard, no doubt about that. Buckeye fans travel well, as Dave touched on earlier, when it was New Orleans and against Alabama. While it was more Alabama fans at that game, it was uh, there were still plenty of Buckeye fans there. I expect nothing less from Buckeye Nation in this game in Atlanta in the at the Peach Bowl. I will be very interested to see how Jim Knowles, and we started to touch on this earlier, we didn't really get to it, decides to handle Georgia because there's some similar stuff there to what Michigan did successfully against Ohio State. Um, you know, you look at George's weapons, obviously Stetson Bennett, who Dave mentioned, a former walk-on who really earned a job last year, won the national championship. It, a, a pretty cool story um, from, from everything I understand about it. But he's a guy, he's thrown for 3,425 yards this year, completed 68% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's a guy who can move around in the pocket. He can take off downfield. He's not the biggest, most explosive guy, but he has proven more than capable for this Georgia offense, which is primarily predicated on this run game. Um, as, as Georgia has, has long been, they, you know, are still a, a team that can spread it out and, and they certainly have weapons, but 
They have three running backs, Kenny McIntosh, Dujuan Edwards, and Kendall Milton, all over 500 yards rushing this year. Each of them have six or more touchdowns. Uh, Only Kendall Milton doesn't have 100 carries of that group of three. He has 72 this season. So look, you're going to have to stop the run in this game if you're Ohio State. And how are you going to go about doing that? If you're Jim Knowles, do you sit in that 4-2-5 defense that you've used all year? Look, against Michigan, they played some more three linebackers. They did some more um, you know, heavier stuff. But I think you've got to do it more. You've got to just sell out on this run. Um, and you, know, you can't completely give up in the past. We saw that happen against Michigan when Ohio State was worried about J.J. McCarthy and that meant cornerbacks were looking in the backfield now. Fifty-two catches, seven hundred twenty-six yards, six touchdowns. Um, Lad McConkey, top receiver, fifty-one catches, six hundred seventy-five yards, five touchdowns. Bowers is the guy that I would be the most concerned about. He can also carry the ball. He has six carries for ninety-three yards, three of which have been touchdowns. So you've got to be aware of that guy. But for me, there were too many plays against Michigan, a team that clearly wanted to run the ball, especially in the second half. Ohio State was not ready for the run. That JJ McCarthy touchdown that happened in the third quarter Ohio State is is I think it was on the three yard line and Ohio State is is dropping back into a pass play I think it was first and three from the three yard line look you you obviously have to know who you're going up against Michigan is going to run the ball there more often than not you got to be careful you know with a, a Georgia team obviously they will they will be able to run the ball differently than Michigan did, but run the ball. And you have to be aware of, of the tight end of some of these receivers, but you have to stop the run first. That's, that's going to be primary focus for Jim Knowles in this defense. So I will be very interested to see how he schemes this differently than he did against Michigan. We're going to see how Jim Knowles can adjust um, and he's going to have time to do it. Obviously it's we're recording this on December 4th. This game is not till December 31st. So there's going to be plenty of time. You don't just have a week here or, you know, two weeks even sometimes in, in, during the regular season to look at this team. You've got plenty of time, but they're going to have plenty of time to look at Ohio State as well. And this Georgia defense has been good all season, despite losing a number of players to the NFL draft from last year's national championship winning team. Um, how that defense is going to handle Ohio State's offense, which as explosive as they've been at times, Georgia's the number nine total defense in the country, by the way, 292 yards. But as explosive as Ohio State's been at times, we haven't seen it really these last few games. It's It seemed like the offense has regressed somewhat. Um, and that's advantage Georgia, because if you can stop Ohio State, contain Ohio State, and then hit some big plays, and, and that's exactly what Michigan was able to do, you're going to be in a good spot. But... I think, and this, and this, I think, is a crucial part of of this game. Who does Ohio State get back health wise over this next month? And obviously, the biggest name, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver. My understanding of the situation, and it's it's kind of been this way since we last saw Jackson, was that he is desperate to play, especially in a situation like this. If if you know this had been the Rose Bowl or one of the other bowl games, I don't think he plays, but. In a, in a chance to come back and, and play on the college football playoff stage, potentially win a national championship. You know, remember, Jackson didn't get to do that last year because the Buckeyes didn't make it. Jackson, if he is healthy enough, and I think that's key, they're not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize him further. But if he can get out there and he can play, 
I would not be surprised to see that happen. And, and we saw it with Alabama a couple of years ago um, in, at the same position at wide receiver. And, you know, it, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it certainly made a difference. And look, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba against Michigan would have been um, a nice, nice piece, an additional piece to have. You're trying to throw to Marvin Harrison. You're trying to throw to Mecca Ibuka. And, and obviously those guys had big games, both over a hundred yards, both had a touchdown, but it's that third weapon that the Buckeyes really haven't had this year. Cade Stover's been good at times. Julian Fleming's been good at times, but neither of those are the player that Jackson Smith and Jigba can be when healthy. And that'll be the key. And if you can add a third piece back into this offense and probably have some things that Georgia hasn't seen yet, because you've barely had Jackson Smith and Jigba this year, I think that that could be a key piece. And then some of the other guys that, that have been banged up for this Ohio State team, Matthew Jones at guard, what's his situation? He did not play against Michigan, despite being dressed after getting hurt against Maryland. Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, both running backs have been banged up in and out of, of being available. That will be important um, for the Buckeyes to get back to that more balanced attack. Obviously, if you have your top two running backs ready to go in just under a month, I think your offense becomes that much more explosive. It'll look more like it did early in the year. And that's certainly something you want to have all of your weapons, uh, you know, against a, a very talented Georgia defense. Flip it to the other side. And some of the guys that have been battling injuries, you know, Tommy Eichenberg has continued to play very well, despite playing with two broken hands. Uh, but how healthy can he get? So he's playing at an even better level. Uh, you look on the, you look in the secondary and we've talked a lot about the issues in the secondary over the last few weeks, Denzel Burke was battling an injury earlier in the season. Yes, he he's probably close to 100. You know, he had surgery on his hand, but if you can get that much closer, uh, I think that's important. Cameron Brown's been in and out with him. I mean, the, the the entire cornerback room it seems like has has dealt with something this year. So, if those guys are starting to feel healthier come December 31st maybe that helps improve the play of the secondary, which has been Ohio state's weakest point. Um, and I think when you, when you look at that secondary, aside from the health, it's the penalties, right? And we saw it against Michigan. You cannot in a big game like this, have those issues. It's one thing to, you know, commit a pass interference penalty if it's going to stop a touchdown or, you know, you, if, if you have to hold something along those lines, but it's the silly ones, the pass interference where you just don't turn your head around the things that we've been talking about, about Buckeye cornerbacks for years, turn your head around. I mean, the, the one that stood out to me against Michigan was the Lathan ransom one, not the one in the end zone on, on Ronnie Hickman, which I thought was kind of a weak call, but the Lathan ransom one, if he turns his head around, he's in great position to intercept the ball. And he's probably running 50, 60 yards before anyone tackles him because it was a deep shot downfield. So it's just it's just making the smart plays. I felt like there were too many of those that led to penalties. And then obviously you can't have something like G. Scott Jr. headbutting uh, a Michigan player that, that puts you at first and 35 or whatever it was. And then the the one final thing that, that stands out to me is how does Ryan Day approach this game in terms of play calling? And he's been criticized a lot about the play calling in the Michigan game. Um, if you've heard me talk on on anything this past week, I've been perplexed by what's happened with Ryan day. And the more I think about it, you know, you think back to, to some of his early games calling plays when, when urban Meyer was still the head coach, even his early days, the head coach against Clemson and, and even the first game against Michigan, things like that. He was aggressive. He, he, he was willing to take some risks. They went for it on fourth down sometimes. 
And I feel like the pressure of being the Ohio State head coach, and Ryan Day talked about it a lot over the last year plus, the the idea that you can't lose at Ohio State. And, you know, he, he says he welcomes that pressure. But how does that pressure affect you in these big games? And I thought, once again, it looked like he he kind of reverted back to almost trestle ball-esque play calling in a game like that. And, you know, you can look at a number of plays against Michigan, but the, the, the decision to punt, maybe they did have the fake punt on and, and it just didn't work, but you have CJ Stroud, a Heisman trophy candidate out there on fourth and five, and you're going to choose to fake a punt to Mitch Rossi. And, and I know fake punts, you don't see him coming, but to me, be aggressive, keep CJ Stroud on the field. That sends a message to everybody out there. Jim Harbaugh did it with Michigan. He was coaching loose. I think Ryan Day's in his head a little bit because he knows how important it is to win that game and, and the pressure of, of being the Ohio State head coach. He's got to let that go. He's got to call the game the way he would call any other game, and, and that's going to be the case against Georgia. The pressure's going to be huge then. Let's, let's be clear. It's the college football playoff semifinal. Ryan Day is one and one in those with a narrow loss to Clemson. You don't want to, to have an issue where you're one and two and you get blown out by Georgia uh, if, if you can avoid that. And, and that just involves handling um, the, the play calling better. You, you've got to have some things ready to, to run against Georgia. You've got to be decisive in terms of if you're going to go forward on, on the fourth downs, things like that. And Ryan Day said, you know, this is going to be an aggressive team. He was taught, I think he was on college game day on Saturday talking about that. And, you know, now you've got to do it. You have your chance. You're, you've backed your way into the college football playoff. Go prove it. Go out there. Be that aggressive play caller that you used to be. Let it all hang out there. You know, if Georgia wins because Georgia's the better team that day and, you know, you, you try some different things, you, you do what you need to do, and Georgia just wins the football game, fine. That's, uh, that, that's, that's all well and good if Georgia's the better team. But don't leave anything – to question don't like this Michigan game where there's so many things you can ask about what was going on here what was going on there why they didn't do this why they didn't do that of course there's going to be questions about every football game you lose even some you win but be the 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 guy that was hired by Urban Meyer to run this offense the guy that Urban Meyer quickly looked at and said that's going to be the next head coach of the Buckeyes because he can do similar things as as Urban Meyer in terms of the way he wants to call plays I want to see that against this Georgia defense. And I think that's the only way the Buckeyes win. I don't think you can have this conservative play calling, you know, we're going to run it on, on first, first and 35. Um, let your Heisman trophy candidate, CJ Stroud, be the guy he is open up the playbook, use what's available to you. And then, as I said before, defensively, Jim Knowles has to have a plan that isn't just defending big 12 teams, because as well as that worked for, for most, most of the year, in the big 10 there, there was not a, a game plan to stop what Michigan was bringing into Ohio stadium just over a week ago. So look, I, I don't want to end this on a downer note. Ohio state is into the college football playoff. This is what the Buckeyes wanted, right? You can't change the Michigan game. You can't change not playing in the big 10 championship. What you can do is go out and play well in the college football playoff, starting with the semifinal on new year's Eve against Georgia. And you play well there, you win that game, you could really change the narrative on the season, which has flipped really quickly over the last week or so. Um, let's let's be honest. A few weeks ago, people were talking all the time about this team and the fact that they were probably the only ones that could really contend with a Georgia um, 
you know, I think that that was the narrative about this high state team, just because of how good this offense was need to get back to that. So we're not going to hang around too much longer, but we do have Steve Hellwagon who's popping in here. Um, Steve, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Steve, uh, you, you popped in right at a great time. I was just kind of babbling for a while after we had Dave and Timmy on. Um, look, the Buckeyes are in. I just, I'm going to ask you what I asked Tim and Dave first. We kind of expected this after Friday night, but your initial reaction to being in playing Georgia. Yeah. Um, I had to run up to Cleveland over the weekend. Um, my in-laws, two of their best friends, uh, it's a kind of a, a sad story. The couple, they were both in their eighties and, uh, they were both, uh, hospitalized in a coma type situation, both of them. And they passed away within five minutes of each other. So it's kind of crazy. It happened on Thanksgiving day. So we went up to the uh, viewing on Friday, stayed in a hotel and then went to the funeral in Cleveland area there on Saturday. And I'm sitting there, I'm like wiped out Friday. I can't even hardly function. And I'm sitting there in bed and I'm, I'm like, half awake trying to watch that um, Utah and USC game. And it just kind of starts to spiral away from USC. And I'm like listening to it and I'm not even really watching it. And then finally I had to sit up in bed and watch it. And um, man, that was crazy. And the nature of that loss just completely took USC out of the picture. So then you're sitting there and you're saying, well, what, what's going to happen now? somebody's got to replace them. Is it Ohio state? Is it Alabama? Who is it? And the committee had set the precedent last Tuesday when they put Ohio state at number five and Alabama at number six, they told you that one loss is fewer than two losses. And so (laughs) it's kind of a straight mathematical thing that I think we learned on the first day of the first grade, Uh, you know, (laughs) that, that one, one loss is fewer than two losses. And, you know, yeah. I do those weekly shows with Mark Rogers, and he hates it when I say this, and we speculate about the playoff from about the middle of the season on. I'm like, Mark, it always works out. It, it always it always just pops into place. Last year, uh, what was it? Cincinnati had beaten Notre Dame head-to-head, and Michigan had beaten Ohio State head-to-head. So it was really easy to put Ohio state five and Notre Dame six and put Cincinnati and Michigan in the playoff because it was just the obvious thing that you had to do. So I, I, he hates it when I say, well, every year it just falls into place. Well, guess what? This year there's four power five teams that either have no losses or one loss and lo and behold, they made the playoff. What a shock and a surprise. Now I was never a firm believer I mean, as the Kansas State TCU game was going on, I'm like, well, man, if Kansas State, they were up double digits at one point. If they yeah. put it on TCU, then is this enough to drop TCU down to four and put Ohio State at three? But when the game went to overtime and they lose on a field goal in overtime, um, I was like, no, it's going to stay where it is. TCU is going to be three and Ohio State's going to be four. And I put a poll up on Twitter yesterday, and I had over a thousand people responded to it on Twitter. 
and 57% thought Ohio State should be three and TCU should be four. And I just kind of chalked that up to the fact that, you know, most of my followers are Ohio State people and they really didn't think with their brain. They thought with their heart and they wanted Ohio State to have another, be guaranteed another shot at the University of Michigan uh, because it can't go any worse than it did the first time. So, I mean, by osmosis, I mean, they're not going to lose to them by 30 points. So by osmosis, it'll be a much better game than it was the first time. So, um, but no, I, I believed from midday yesterday on that it was going to be, uh, barring an upset by Georgia or Michigan, that it was going to be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, and Ohio State 4. And that's what it what it came down to. And I wrote pretty much wrote that last night when I put something up as soon as the Michigan game went final that, you know, this is what it looks like it's going to be. And then today I was furiously scurrying around looking for graphics for both games, looking for photos of Michigan and Georgia players and, you know, having one story written on Ohio state versus Michigan, which would have been completely unprecedented that the first time ever that the teams would meet on a neutral field. And uh, which honestly is going to become, if they go to one division, the big 10 would become a more commonplace result. Uh, because if they're one and two in the Big Ten, they would play each other in the conference championship going forward uh, if they ever get rid of the two divisions. And so, um, yeah, so uh, just kind of a a crazy thing that uh, this would be the year that that you'd play them twice in the same season, and potentially that is still the case if Michigan – uh, beats TCU, which I, I presume they're favored. And I heard that Georgia was favored by seven over Ohio State, which sounds about right. Ohio State's going to have to spring the upset to get uh, to the championship game. But for the longest time this year, Georgia and Ohio State have been one, two in the polls. So right. this was the game that everybody had been clamoring for for weeks and weeks and weeks. And just turns out because of the nature of Ohio State's loss that we're going to get it in the semifinal instead. So I threw everything I had at you right there. I don't know a whole lot about Georgia. I look at their scores. I see that they just dominate people. I know Stetson Bennett is no longer just a caretaker. He's actually a playmaker, and he's got a great tight end and a great wide receiver. And uh, the running game, I presume they can line up to run the ball. I think they got four or five guys who are all – between like 600 and 300 yards rushing. So it sounds like they split the load there uh, running the ball defensively. I know they gave up 30 to LSU yesterday, but, you know, when you're scoring 50 um, and probably scoring very quickly, uh, the other team's going to get more possessions. And and so it was, and they are playing on the fast track down there. So maybe Stroud can get 35 or 42 against them, and Ohio State will have a chance. So we'll see. Let me ask you this, and then we'll get out of here because we do have to get over to. We got to go to OSU three o'clock. Yeah. Coach Day is going to talk. What are some questions people want Coach Day to answer? That throw throw a couple in here and bring them with you, Pat. I'm yeah. not watching the I'm not watching the live version. I'm I'm just watching the version with you and I. But I'm sure yeah. some of the folks watching this will have some really good questions for Coach Day, as in. Is Jim Knowles going to actually try and game plan for Georgia this time instead of just putting 11 people on the field and 
hoping it works out? That'd be my first question. I'm kidding, of course, but yeah. No, um, I'm sure there's plenty of questions. Let me ask you this, though, real quick, because you could probably answer this. Georgia and Ohio State have played one time. Do you remember this game? I remember it. I know exactly where I was. Um, Tell me about it. it. On January the 1st of 1993, Yes, the teams were actually really good that year. Georgia was number eight in the country. And I want to say the running back was Garrison Hurst, I think, for the University of Georgia. And Ohio State had Robert Smith and two guys who are just just outstanding running backs. We're going head to head. And I know for the New Year's that year, I didn't go to the bowl game because I wasn't covering the team on a full, full-time basis at that time. I would have been at every home game that season. I don't think I went to any of the road games in 1992. Okay. But um, I would have been two years out of college, so I would have been about 24 years old. At the time, and my fiance then, who's now my wife of nearly 30 years, um, we had celebrated New Year's Eve in Circleville, which is where I'm from. And we were driving back to her mom and dad's house, where we now live up here in Pataskala, near where they live. And we were coming up probably to watch the Rose Bowl. I have no idea who played in the Rose Bowl that day on January 1st. I presume it was Michigan, because Michigan... Ohio State had tied Michigan that year, 13 to 13, I think. And Michigan won the Big Ten championship, I think. And that was one of two ties I think Michigan had that year. And uh, they went to the Rose Bowl. I presume that they lost the Rose Bowl because they rarely, if ever, won the Rose Bowl. And uh, 21 to 14. And as I remember, I'm listening to the radio broadcast as we were driving up. We that's how much we really cared at that point about Ohio state versus Georgia in the citrus bowl. We were driving from Circleville to Pataskala during the game, listening to it uh, to get up here to watch the Rose bowl. And um, I uh, recall a guy saying he's got world-class speed. And I don't recall if he was talking about Garrison Hurst running away from Ohio state. I think he was, or Robert Smith who also had world-class speed. So yeah, it was uh I remember it. It was played in Orlando, Florida, one of many uh, 1990s Citrus Bowls that the Buckeyes have played in. Pat, there was talk Ohio State, Georgia, were going to sign a home and home contract or at least had one in the works. And I don't know whatever became of that, if it, it was done and then ripped up. But uh, it's too bad because um, obviously, as things stand today, they're two of the top five college football programs going right now. And uh, it would be great if uh, they would play a home and home here sometime in the the years to come. We know Ohio State's going to play Alabama in one in the coming years as well. I think they do have a – I think they do, maybe in the 2030s. Yeah, I think it's 2030. Way off the distance. 2030 and 2031 is what stands out to me. Okay. I'll have it here in a second. Um, Way off the distance. Yeah, it's if if it is indeed, if I'm remembering this correctly, then it is – quite a ways off and obviously a lot will change between now and then in terms of uh yeah 2030 2030 and 2031 that the face value for these tickets is going to be about 200 dollars. i got a ticket master email just a few minutes ago that you can you know you can get in today for 440 dollars on resale tickets of people who've already got their tickets so um maybe those are season ticket holders for the peach bowl that you know uh, just figure they're going to cash in on Georgia being there. I think that's about what it cost 
people to go to that game yesterday, which was a kind of a glorified Georgia home game against uh, LSU. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an expensive ticket, I think. Uh, yeah. And Ohio State's going to be outnumbered about five to one. So yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be ugly down there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Maybe the game won't be ugly, but. The stands will certainly be ugly with all them uh, people barking and doing that bulldog bull crap. <laughs> all right, Steve, get out of here. I'll see you. Yeah, in a let's go bit. get in the car and head into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Yep. Yep. And, Thanks uh, for jumping on. This uh, got everybody <laughs> in on this one, so that was good. I appreciate it. I know you had stuff. All going. right, man. All right, we'll I'll see you in a there. little bit. All right. Thanks to Steve Hellwagon for jumping in there too. Here, joining the happy hour late. We're going to wrap it up. As we mentioned, we'll have plenty of more at Bucknuts with Ryan Day speaking here in a little bit. Uh, then we'll talk to the College Football Playoff chairman about how this all came down in terms of the way they broke down the rankings. Once again, in case you are listening live and you missed the announcement, Ohio State is in the College Football Playoff. They are the number four seed taking on Georgia December 31st, New Year's Eve. That'll be an 8 p.m. kick from the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. So Buckeyes are in. Now we will spend the next uh, almost a month, a little less than a month, I think it's 27 days, going to uh, going through this whole thing, breaking it all down. We'll have more from the Bucknuts happy hour. I think we'll do another one this week. Um, we waited. We didn't do one after the Michigan game because we had so much talked about on, on the BM5. Um, I wanted to do one today, and so we pushed it back. But Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, thank you for, for watching this live. Thank you for liking or watching the podcast. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Join Bucknuts if you're not already. We're almost to signing day, early signing period. So there's going to be plenty of recruiting stuff. Bill Kerlick and, and our national guys do a great job. So if you're into that or you want to get into that, we, uh, we would love to have you be a part of our community. And if you just took advantage of our kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday promo, where you got 75% off for your annual membership. Thank you very much. It means a lot joining up with us. We do appreciate that. Anyway, Ohio State's in the playoff. Uh, We'll break it down a lot more over the next few weeks, but we wanted to do a podcast today to talk about it as soon as the rankings were out. Anyway, Buckeye fans, I know we had a few Georgia fans in here, maybe some Michigan fans. Uh, Cheers to everybody. We'll see all those teams in the playoff. Cheers. all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply